0: But you guys are stuck here with me. So we'll make the best of it. My name's Phil. Good to have you guys. Uh, What you can do is, uh, all right, all right. Thank you, thank you. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Yes, so uh, what you can do is just hit send on those connection cards, and it'll get where it needs to get. If we could, uh, uh, ushers, if you guys could shut the doors, uh, shut the doors as we get going here. That'd be great. Ushers, hello? Shut the doors. Is there an usher in the house? Okay. Thank you. Yes. All right. Um so hey, so we are getting continuing this series that we've been doing called Keeping It Simple. Uh and uh and I actually I'll tell you, the the last this week and next week, I'm gonna I'm gonna be finishing it up. And I was thinking about having it be like a whole kind of separate sermon series, and then I kind of realized I think I can make it kind of fit with this theme because what we've been what we've been talking about in this in this series uh, is is the just the reality the fact that life seems to be getting more complicated. Life seems to be getting more actually Anx- you know a producing anxiety and and difficult and and so we've been saying what if maybe one of the reasons that life is getting more complicated and more difficult is because God has all of this wisdom that he offers us through his word and we as individuals and we as like a nation and a world are just being like yeah no no thank you God we've got it from here like we've got we'll figure it out on our own we'll have our own morality we'll have our own way of doing things and so what if that has something to do with life getting a little bit more complicated a little bit more stressful and god lovingly as a you know as a as a father kind of says all right well good luck with that you know let me know how that works out for you and and I'm I'm here and I love you and and come back when when you need to come back uh, our theme verse I'm not gonna read the whole theme verse that we've been reading every single week uh, just because I realized that the sermon was a little bit too long when I did it at nine o'clock so I'm gonna try to trim a little bit here on the fly but uh, but it's in your notes so put up put up Romans chapter 1 verse 21 25 you can see it uh, it's in your notes I would encourage you I'm gonna there's a couple things I'm gonna kind of edit on the fly while I go here. Um, and, uh, and so you might want to open up your, your notes uh, in the app and that way you can kind of follow along and see all the Bible passages and all so some of them I might I might omit, but you can kind of see how they fit in. But let me just focus. Go to the next slide. What we've been, what we've been focusing on here, you know, verse 25, where it says, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised, amen. So that's kind of been the foundation of our series here. Uh, they were saying, what are the lies? What are the lies that, that we've, we've, turn to and kind of exchange for the truth that God has for us. And so we started the series uh, a while ago now, talking about four lies that we think Satan has been, uh, you know, using for as long as human beings have been around. Then we talked about lies that show up if you're single, lies that show up in marriage, uh, lies that show up, we broadened it out in relationships, just in wider relationships, lies that show up. Last week we talked about lies that show up with money and today i want to talk about our relationship with the church what is our relationship what are we called to uh how are we called to connect to a local church what is that relationship supposed to be like and i think there are a lot of lies that people believe about their relationship with the local church i don't have time to list all of the lies but but i think a really big one is that people think that church is just irrelevant that church is just kind of something that you have to do, and and you know you're never going to get anything out of it. I mean, not going to. It's not. It's just kind of boring, and it's irrelevant, and you just kind of go through the motions, and and maybe you go. You know, some people just go twice a year, go Christmas Eve and Easter, or maybe a couple other times, but the, you know, you certainly you don't expect. To get anything out of church. Right? You don't think that church is gonna be life-giving. You don't think there's gonna be something that actually helps you. No, know, I get that all the time through the years, right? There are there are poor people who show up, they get dragged here by someone in their life. Like someone says, You have to come to church with me, or else I'm not gonna feed you anymore. Or I don't know, I don't know what they do. But but they drag, they get people to come. And so then I, I have these conversations with people in the in the lobby after service. I have for years, and they're just kind of, you can see the confusion in their face, because they're like. I liked it. They're like, I like the, the music. And, and that talk you gave, that was helpful. And I can see like the wheels kind of turning like, wait, this doesn't make any sense. I came to church and I liked it. I don't get it. And I think that's a lie that says that, that church is boring, church is irrelevant, church isn't going, isn't going to help your life. Because think about what the church is, right? The church is the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of the church. And Jesus is the one who created everything. He's the one who sustains everything. He's the one who holds everything together. He's, I mean, he's, he's the all-powerful king of kings and lord of lords. And the church is his body. Jesus said this in, in um, uh, where am I going? Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 to 9. He said, uh, these—or oh, I'm sorry, I, I skipped ahead. Jesus, oh, there we go. Yes, Matthew 16, verse 18. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. He says, listen, like, my church is a big deal. And so we are a local expression of the body of Christ. And But I'm not saying we're not, like, you know, the special, unique body of Christ. We're connected with, with churches all over the world. but the, But the church is a big deal. And so we get to talk about the reality. Like, honestly, you think about... The lie that says church is boring and church is irrelevant. Think about the things that we get to talk about. I mean, we get to talk about, we get to sing about, you know, what what life is really all about. Like the purpose, the real purpose of life. Talk about how you can have hope no matter whatever your circumstances are, whatever it is you're going through. Talk about like the reality of spiritual warfare, that there's this unseen spiritual realm that's all around you. I know we, you saw the slide of, uh, of God in film that we're gonna be doing starting the week after Easter. And I don't know if you paid any attention, but one of the ones I'm gonna be doing is The Invisible Man. I don't know if anybody saw that, that movie, but I'm gonna use that as a, as a reason to talk about spiritual warfare, about the reality that there's unseen spiritual warfare that goes on for all of our lives. But we, we get to talk about stuff that really, I, I think that if, if you're going to make church boring, like you got to work at it. You know, with like what, like the material that we've given, if you're going to make it boring and uninteresting and irrelevant, you've got to really work at it. And maybe some of you are saying, well, Phil, you're really working at it right now because I'm really, I'm bored right now. But, uh, but see, the, the thing is, when I planted this church, And it's like 24 years ago now, which is hard to believe. You know, 24 years ago, when Norman and I planted this church, the, the thing about planting a church is that, you know, you get the opportunity, you kind of have a blank slate. And so you can say, hey, here's how we want to do it. And here's what we're going to focus on. And here's how it's going to be different. Now, that's the positive side. The negative side is you don't have any people. <laughs> you know, you don't have any people yet. But then, you know, as you as you have your vision, as you cast your vision, people come. But But my dream for this church, like from the very beginning has been that we would be a, a church full of people who go hard after God. That we would be a church full of people who hunger and thirst after God. That we would be a church full of people who have found a relationship with God instead of religion. And that for us, as we come together and as we worship God and as we serve God, and as we do the things that we do, we don't do it because we have to. We, we do it because we, we love it it's not an obligation it's something that we love it's something that's a joy and so what we try to do here is we want everything to be life-giving like every part of what we do, our goal is to have it be life-giving. And, and so I've got this, this principle that I try to work out in my life and in the church, and I talk about it a lot. It's called the Kanae Principle. And it means constant and never-ending improvement. And so, so in all the things that we do, we say, how can we make it a little bit better? Everything that we do, how can we make it a little bit better? So, hey, guys, we've got some flipping lights that are going on. So if we can, if we can play with the lights, we've, we've got some, uh, some lights that are... Kind of making you know distracting me a little bit here, but uh, but we we want everything that we do everything to be life giving every worship set that we have every message that we preach everything that we do we want it to be life giving so it's not so going to church isn't something that you have to do it's something that you love to do it's something that you get to do Jesus said this in Matthew 15 verse 8 to 9 he said these people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me they worship me in vain their teachings are merely human rules and so may that never be said of the North jersey vineyard church may it never be said of us that we just kind of mouth the words and we go through the motions may we be a people who are passionate for god who are hungry for god romans 12 11, it says never be lacking in zeal but keep your spiritual fervor serving the lord that we would remain hungry, that we would be fervent, that we'd be, we'd be seeking hard after God. And so my question, what I want to talk about this week and next week, before we get into Easter, I want to talk about how we can keep our, our passion, how we can remain people who are hungry for God. And I think that the way that we do it, The way that, you know, I've tried to keep my passion for the last 24 years and, and have us as a church continue to be focused on God and continue to be hungry, continue to be pressing in is that we need to be aware, like really aware that God has more for us. That God is the God of more. That wherever you are, listen, here's how it works. See, hey, I'm sorry, but, but there's, John, there's a light right here that's flicking really bad right in the middle. So if you could just bring everything down so we can get that taken care of, that'll make my life a lot better. Okay? Thank you. Just dim them down, do whatever you got to do, but that light's got to stop flipping or else I'm going to be in trouble. I'm going to have a stroke. I'm gonna, it's my birthday today, I'm 55, and if the lights are flipping, I'm going to have a stroke because I'm an old guy now. All right? So thank you, John. I think you did it. You got it. So listen, but here's here's the deal. See, God is infinite and we are finite. So as long as God is infinite, God is going to have more. He is the God of more. And so I want to say wherever you are in your spiritual journey, whatever is going on in your life, whether you're brand new, whether this is all brand new to you or you've been walking with Jesus forever, God has more for you because 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 9 to 10 says, however, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, this verse has been uh, quoted quite often talking about heaven. And I think it is true that that heaven's gonna blow our minds, that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, but actually this verse is talking in the present tense. It says what God has prepared, present tense, for those who love him, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And so the word for spirit is the word pneuma. And so what this says is how is it that we continue to be passionate, we continue to be aware that God has more for us. It's the spirit, it's the pneuma, it's the breath of God. That's what the word uh, pneuma means, breath. And so that's why we we say like pneumonia, because that's a disease of the lungs. It's a disease that affects the breath. It's the breath of the spirit that keeps us connected to the more that God has for us. And so how is it that we can be a people who continue to hunger for God, who continue to thirst for God, that we keep our spiritual passion, that we keep our zeal, that we always remember that God has more for us? That wherever you are, I want to tell you, you're just getting started because God is infinite and we will have an opportunity to plunge the depths of God, the deep things of God, the Holy Spirit will lead us into everything that God that God has for us. And so what I want to talk about today in the context of how is it that we keep our spiritual passion is I want to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Now, the word baptism, it's, it's uh, the Greek word bautismo. And what it means is to be completely immersed. I don't know what is going on. We're trying to get me a stroke here on my birthday with these lights flipping on and off. I guess we're having, I guess if the lights just go off, we'll be all right. So, so yeah, guys, whatever, just let's bring the lights back up a little bit. I don't know. I know this is, we let me i'm going to just talk with you guys we have there's a problem with our lighting system we have the contractor trying to work with it trying to deal it and so so they're doing their best that they can out there but it's acting up right now and so what do we but you know what maybe it's acting up because this doesn't usually happen i'm talking about being baptized in the holy spirit talking about being empowered by the holy spirit so in the name of jesus i just rebuke whatever's going on right now that's trying to keep it i'm serious that whatever spiritual warfare whatever's going on that's trying to keep us from what god has for us to distract us i come against it in jesus name and so So how do we, what does it mean for us to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? What does it mean for us to be immersed in the Holy Spirit, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit? And so in order for us to understand that, We need to understand the three different types of baptism that the Bible talks about in the New Testament. All right, so I want to just kind of quickly walk you through the three different types of baptism so we can really understand what it means for us to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So number one is baptism into the body of Christ. Baptism into the body of Christ, that's salvation, Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 to 27. It says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. So the first baptism is when you're baptized into Christ. That's the moment that you become a believer, the moment that you put your faith in Jesus. And what that means is that you're baptized into Christ. And so once you put your faith in Jesus, when God, the the way God treats you, the way God deals with you, now that you're in Christ, he deals with you the same way that he deals with Christ. He thinks about you the same way that he thinks about Christ. He blesses you the same way that he blesses Christ. He honors you the same way that he honors Christ. I'm going to keep going until I get an amen, because that is an incredible truth. You are in Christ, right? And so you're baptized into Christ. And let me make this really clear in case, you know, maybe there's someone out here who doesn't know or doesn't understand. You are not born a Christian you're not born into Christ it's the decision that you make it's something that you do at some point you say I want to be in Christ I want to accept this free gift of salvation that God has for me God has lots of children he doesn't have any grandchildren so it doesn't matter how devout your parents were how often they dragged you to church you've got to come to that place where you make a decision that you're going to follow Christ and in that moment you are baptized into Christ and so now God. God treats you and deals with you as if you're Christ because you're in Christ. Now, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it says, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Now, so what this says, and talking about like our relationship with the church and what what kind of going on with the church, we're not only baptizing to Christ, But in that moment, we become part of the body of Christ. And what I love about this verse is it talks about the the diversity within the body of Christ. Jews and Gentiles, slaves are free. So ethnic diversity, socioeconomic diversity. And one of the things that I love about our church that I just, you know, we celebrate and we talk about all the time is the fact that we are a diverse gathering of the body of Christ. And, and, you know, we celebrate that in lots of different ways. And it's kind of a picture of heaven because God is going to gather people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. You know, at some point we're going to get back to doing our cultural celebration dinners and, you know, continue to celebrate what God has done. But one of the things as, a, as the pastor that I've so appreciated about our church especially this year with with so much stuff that has been going on in our in our culture you know like so much like racism and political things and all these different issues is when we talk about it and we lean into it we don't have to talk about it like kind of like out there in a way or kind of you know just kind of think about well how does this affect people and we just kind of know what we know from watching television we we get to realize that hey we are a diverse body of christ and so and so whatever it is we're talking about, whatever it is we're wrestling with, we, we are aware that we're wrestling with it with brothers and sisters, that we're addressing it out of the context, from the context of relationship, from the context of connection as the body of Christ. And so, and so with that, I just want to take a moment to just acknowledge uh, something that's been going on. It's been going on for a while and it's just really kind of came to a head this week when it comes to, to uh the, the the experience of Asian Americans in our country. Uh that 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 this there's been some events that have happened this week, but things that have been kind of building for a while, where many Asian Americans have been feeling angry, have been feeling hurt, have been feeling afraid. And and what's been happening over this past year uh is that we've seen actually we've seen hate crimes. Go down, since the pandemic started, hate crimes have decreased by 3%, like across the board. But when it comes to Asian Americans, they've gone up by 150%, which is just, I mean, that's like, what's going on there? That's just crazy. And I don't want to, you know, get into, you know, the deep, I have some reasons as to why I think that is. But the one thing that I, that I know for sure, is that we as the family of God, like we need to just be aware as we, as we deal with all the things that are going on in our broken world, that when one grieves, we all grieve. When one mourns, we all mourn. That's, see, that's what families do. And we're baptized into the family of God. And we, like a good family, a, health, a healthy family, we have each other's back. And so we will continue to strive to be a church where everyone feels heard, where everyone is seen, where everyone is celebrated, where everyone is safe. And we work together, we work together to see God's justice and God's righteousness break into this broken world. And we look forward to the day when Jesus Christ is going to set up his kingdom and there'll be no more sorrow, no more, no more hatred, no more racism, no more injustice. And we as the family of God, we stay together and we just say when one suffers we all suffer because we're part of a family and so so the first baptism it we're baptized into Christ and we're baptized into the family of God the second baptism is water baptism and water baptism is a public declaration of our faith the public declaration of our faith Acts two forty one it says those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day and so And so you see, Acts 2.41, it says that they accepted the message. This was Peter when he's preaching on the day of Pentecost. So they were baptized into Christ, and then they were baptized in water. So it's very important for you to understand, water baptism, it doesn't save you. Right? When, I'm talk- when we're talking about being in Christ, we're doing, like the, the incredible benefit of God treating you the way He treats Christ. What could you possibly do to earn that? There's nothing you could do. It's a gift, and we just receive it. And so we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And so baptism is just a public symbol of that thing that's happened in your heart, but it's a very important symbol. It's like a wedding ring, right? So I have this, I have this wedding ring on now, and it's a symbol that shows that I'm married. And so I had a period of time where I didn't wear a wedding ring um, and it was because uh, my wedding ring got stolen. I didn't like wearing it if I was like at the gym or playing golf. So I'd have it in my car. And so somebody stole it out of my car. And so I had years where I didn't wear it, but I was still married. You know, and, and so now this is actually a rubber one, so it's really comfortable, so I can just keep it on. Doesn't look too fancy, but it, you know. And so, if, you know, I can just kind of slide it off easily, and it's off now, but I'm still married. You know, it doesn't mean that, that uh put put it back on and it doesn't change anything, I'm still married. That's, that's what baptism is. And so uh, I get some questions. You know, we haven't done baptisms in over a year now because we haven't been able to figure out how to kind of do it with the pandemic and everybody getting into the same water and everybody's kind of so close, but we're going to be resuming them Uh, at some point in the future some point over the next few months and so I get questions one of the questions that I get about baptism is is people will ask if I was baptized at another church do I need to be baptized here to which I say no if it was a church that like preached the gospel and you were baptized in the name of Jesus Father Son Holy Spirit Christian baptism you don't need to be baptized here that baptism was good I would say this listen if you ever you know you move away from here or whatever happens and you you're part of another church and they teach that like their church is the only like true baptism get out of that church like I'm serious that's not a church that you want to be in. that's that that could be a sign of some other problems another question that I get from people is about infant baptism so people will say hey I was baptized as an infant do I need to be baptized again and so I was baptized as an infant I was baptized in the Lutheran Church that was very meaningful to my parents I don't remember it so much, and uh, when I turned 17, that's when I became a Christian, that's when I was baptized into Christ, and so I was baptized in my church as a believer, and I remember that very well. That was a very meaningful, like the thing about identifying that, yes, I'm now a follower of Jesus, you know, that public demonstration, uh, that, that was very powerful in my life. And so I would encourage you as we, as you, over some point over the next couple months, you're going to hear about baptism and how you can do it. If you've never been baptized as an adult believer, I would encourage you to do it because it's a very, it's a very important step. And so the third baptism that they talk about in the New Testament is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that is about living a spirit empowered life. So Acts chapter uh, chapter one, verses four to five. This is Jesus right before he ascended into heaven. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so what Jesus said to the disciples is, listen, you have a mission, you have a job to take the gospel and go into all the world. Don't try to do it on your own. Wait to get empowered by the Holy Spirit. My Holy Spirit is going to come and is going to give you the power that you need to do the job that I've given you, to empower your life. And so they listened. And so they waited. And then Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out. And then all of a sudden, these Christians, these followers of Jesus, who just a few weeks before were scared and were hiding and couldn't even be at the cross and denying Jesus to, to servant girls, they're bold. And they're like proclaiming Jesus and they're standing up to authority. What was the difference? It was that they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is just like a one-time thing because we need many times in our life to be immersed with the Holy Spirit, to be empowered with the Holy Spirit. So you see that in, in the book of Acts. You see in Acts chapter 4, just a little bit later, the Holy Spirit comes and they get filled up again and the place is shaken and they have even more boldness to proclaim the Word of God. Let me show you that you see I think I have this theory that I think these three baptisms were really essential were really crucial to the early church kind of understanding how church worked and kind of and kind of what were the kind of the rituals and the experiences that people would have and so let me show you a couple of verses where I think you see all three of these baptisms working together so Acts chapter 8 verse 5 it says Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there." Now, by the way, Philip, so I'm named after the Philip in the Bible. Sometimes people will say to me, hey, does your name, do you spell it with one L or two Ls? And it's, see, I'm a one L Philip because that's the biblical Philip, as you can see. If you're a 2L Philip, I mean, that's okay. That's a great name, but it's not the biblical name. Bible's 2, 1L, but that's, uh, that's, we'll just all go by Phil and then it doesn't matter. So, so, so Philip went and he preached in Samaria, and it says, when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom, so that's like the first baptism, being baptized into Christ, they believed Philip, they received the message, uh, they were baptized, both men and women. So there's the second baptism, so they believed, and then they were baptized in water, that public demonstration now Now, uh, the Samaritans weren't really liked, you know, there was tension between the Jewish people and the Samaritans, and so when Philip comes back, and he tells the apostles, and he's like, hey, a really cool thing just happened up in Samaria, it says this in Acts chapter 8, verse 14, they were kind of, you know, kind of curious about this, and it says, so when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And so I think that passage you see the, the the three baptisms working together. They were baptized into Christ, then they were baptized in water, and then the, then Peter and James were like, oh, we gotta go up there and make sure that they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let me show you another passage that kind of shows how these three things come together. Uh and so so if you go to uh to first John chapter five, verse seven and eight. Now, this is actually a very strong Trinitarian verse. This is a passage that really kind of pulls back the veil a little bit so you can see the Trinity. It says, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. This is written by John. John, he wrote the Gospel of John. He calls Jesus the Word in uh, in his introduction to that Gospel. So the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth. The spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. And so here's my premise. I think that these baptisms were so important in the early church. That they're like, hey, listen, the, the Trinity, you've got the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in this unity. And that's reflected here. You guys all know these baptisms that we have. Into Christ, in water, by the Holy Spirit. And hey, that's, that's you know a reflection of that, and that's really important. It's really essential to what we do. Because what you see is the blood, right? That's the baptism into Christ. That's talking about Jesus's death. The water, that's water baptism. And then the Spirit, that's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And And so this is something that I think you find all throughout the Bible. You find it taught theologically. You find it uh, taught when you look in the book of Acts, you see what it looks like. You see it fleshed out. But there are a lot of people who are reluctant when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit, there are a lot of Christians who are resistant to that. There are a lot of people who think, well, that's just weird. Like if you get like filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're gonna like be a snake handler, or you're gonna be one of those people who never goes to the doctor, or you're just gonna like spend all your time rolling around on the floor, laughing and being weird. There's a lot of resistance, and so I grew up in a church that was cessationist, and so what that meant. Uh, a cessationist church means they don't believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today so they would talk about the Holy Spirit but but there was never any experience there weren't, weren't any spiritual gifts that were being practiced and so I remember when I became a Christian around the time that I was baptized I was so on fire I was so excited you know I'm talking to my pastor he was a wonderful guy a great Bible teacher uh, but I'm telling him about this book that I'm reading by A.W. Tozer, who's kind of a classic, you know, wrote a lot of Christian classics. It was called When He Is Come, because I was so hungry. I wanted so desperately to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. I wanted to be filled up with the Holy Spirit. And I remember this cessationist pastor, again, a wonderful guy, but he said, hey, no, be careful about Tozer. He preaches experience. And so his version of Christianity was, you're not to experience anything. You're not to experience the Holy Spirit. You're not to experience it's just about, like, learning and becoming a disciple. But I was hungry. And I remember, I remember hearing that and being like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's right. And so shortly after that, I went to this Christian camp that was down in Texas. Uh, it was connected with this guy named Keith Green. Maybe some of you might be familiar with his music. And, uh, and so it was this, it was this, this powerful camp. And, uh, and so I remember one night, there was this great speaker, and, and God was really speaking to me through that message. And so we got back to, uh, to the dorm, and I said to the counselor, I said, you know, I'm going to stay outside for a little bit. I'm just going to pray for a while. And so I'm in, it's like East Texas. And so I'm sitting on this, this fence You know this like Texas you know sky in the summer filled with stars and I'm just telling God God I want everything that you have for me God I want to be baptized in your Holy Spirit I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit and I remember that the Holy Spirit just like descended on me and I you know and I don't remember how or what exactly but I remember at some point I was off the fence and I was laying on the grass and I don't know how long I was laying in the grass I think it was a while And I was just being filled by the Holy Spirit. And what I will tell you is that I got up different. Like I got up different. Something was different. Like I loved God before. I wanted to serve God. I was trying to serve God. But something happened. I had more joy. I had more strength. There was more effectiveness. I went back to high school, my senior year of high school, I started a Bible study in my high school uh, that would meet in the cafeteria on Wednesday mornings at like 7.30. And there were times there'd be like 30 or 40 kids who would come to that Bible study. And kids were getting saved and teachers would come. I remember one day this kid must have told his, his Catholic priest about it. So one morning at 7.30 in the cafeteria in Dumont High School, a Catholic priest shows up. And so he comes in and he comes. So that day I got called to the principal's office. And uh, and the principal's like, Phil, I like what you're doing. I'm Catholic. I, you know, I think it's really great. But there was a priest in my high school this morning. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. He just showed up. He seemed like a nice guy. But he's like, this can't be, this can't happen, you know. And just to say, I mean, everything was different. And so what I want to, what I just want to encourage you with, I just want you to know, God has more for you. God has more for you. Like, maybe, listen, maybe you know what I'm talking about. Like, you've experienced that. Like, you know, you've had your East Texas knocked off offense moments. God has more of that for you. That wasn't like one and done. Or maybe this is kind of all new and you're just kind of, you you know, this is like a new concept and you're wondering about it. I want to tell you, God has more for you. He has more joy. He has more strength. He has more hope. He has more life. But people are reluctant. So let me just real quick say, I think some of the reasons that people are reluctant, number one is that it's because some are uninformed. You see this even in the book of Acts, Acts 19, verses 1 to 2. It says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So they didn't know, and then they they received the Holy Spirit. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. So maybe you grew up in a church that didn't really talk about spiritual gifts and things like that. And, And so, you know, I just want to tell you, God has more for you. God wants to fill you with with his life and his love and his strength. I think another reason that people resist it is that some have grown apathetic. Some have grown apathetic. The law of entropy is set in. You know the law of entropy, right? Entropy is how energy is measured. And what the second law of thermodynamics tells us is that energy decreases over time. And so maybe if you're honest, entropy has set in when it comes to your hunger of God because I believe we have as much of God as we want right Jesus said if you hunger and thirst for righteousness you shall be filled he didn't say you might be filled he said you will be filled and so if we're not filled with the Holy Spirit maybe we're just not hungry you know, we need to do what what uh, what Paul tells Timothy to do in 2 Timothy 1, 6 to 7. He says, for this reason, I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit of God, the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And I just want to say, if there's anyone who would say, yeah, you know what, I've drifted. I'm not hungry. I've become apathetic. I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to get your eyes back on Jesus. Because if you will get your eyes back on Jesus, I don't know what it is that you're looking at. What happened is you used to be looking at Jesus. And the more you look at Jesus, the more you hunger for him, the more that you want. But then what happens is the cares and the worries of this world get our eyes off of Jesus and get them onto other things. And I want to tell you that other things that you're looking at are not going to give you life. Life is found in Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Get hungry for Jesus. Fan into flame the gift of God that was upon you. Don't just drift. Because if you drift, listen, you're not going to like where the current's going to take you, especially in our current culture. Don't drift. Get hungry for God. And then the third reason I think that some people resist it is they have fear. That fear can kind of manifest in a lot of ways. Oh, it's going to make me weird. It's going to be this, that, or the other thing. But I think I think part of it is that people have fear because they think, if I get filled up by God, if I completely surrender to God, God's going to take me somewhere I don't want to go. Like, I think that's kind of the lie, is that we think, if I fully surrender to God, my life isn't going to be as good. And I, you know what? Maybe, you know, if you're honest, maybe that's there. And that is a lie. That is literally a lie from the pit of hell. Because the reality is that Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life. And so if you get filled with the Holy Spirit, I promise you, your life is going to to get better. You know, sometimes the way pastors talk about this kind of annoys me a little bit. Because I've heard some pastors talk about surrendering to the call, right? God called them. And they're like, well, you know, you hear their testimony. Well, I wrestled with the call because there were all these other fun things that I wanted to do. But I eventually, I surrendered to the call. I gave in to the call. And now here I am stuck with you people. (laughs) That kind of ticks me off a little bit. Because I got to tell you, like I said, I've been doing this for 24 years. Every time I walk on the stage... Every time I show up at staff meeting on Tuesday to start the week, I, I seriously, I like pinch myself. Because I'm like, I, don't, I can't believe that I get to do this. I can't believe that God would trust someone like me to do this. I can't believe that God would give me the opportunity to proclaim his gospel and lead a church and minister to people. There's nothing better than this. I want to tell you that if you surrender, I'm not saying you're going to become a pastor, but whatever it is God has for you, it's going to be good. There's going to be life. There's no reason to be afraid. And so what I want to just encourage, and I'll end with this, I just want to encourage you to be hungry for everything that God has for you. Because I believe that this year could be the best year of your life. If this year is spiritually your best year, it will be your best year. I don't care what happens in 2021. I don't, you know, the variance and the economy and all this stuff. If, 20, if 2021 is your best year spiritually, it's going to be the best year that you ever had. And that's why it's all connected to being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I want to encourage you to hunger and thirst for God. I want to encourage you because, listen, Romans, I don't have the verse here, but Romans 14, 17 says the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what God has for you. Righteousness, peace, joy. God wants that for more of that than you're currently experiencing. Now, I mean, you know what? There's a, there's a passage. I'll end with this. I'm really going to end now. Not a I'm ending. I'm landing the plane. <laughs> but there's, a, there's a, a passage in the prophet Ezekiel where Ezekiel gets to see a, a vision of the, of the temple, a vision of the future. And, uh, and so in the, the temple, there's, there's a river that's flowing out of the temple. And so that river, you know, all throughout Old Testament, New Testament, it represents the Holy Spirit. And so he sees this river that's flowing. And so, uh, so the guy checks it out. Ezekiel 47, verse 3, as the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. And so maybe, listen, maybe that's where some of you are right now. Like you're in water, you're the Spirit, ankle deep. Like you're, you know, you know how does you go to the beach and you're like, I don't know if I'm to go in, I'm going to dip my toe in. And so you've dipped your toe in and it's good. You know, it's refreshing. There's some peace, there's some joy, but you're just, you're just, you know, it's just kind of like you know, lapping up against your ankles. But then a guy went out a little bit further. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. And so now, you know, you go in a water with a current, right? If you're up to your knee, that's the water, you know, it's like, it's forceful. And so you got to kind of be planted a little bit, gets up to your waist, and it's like, really, you got to kind of lean into it or else it's, you know, going to carry you away. But your feet are still on the ground. You're still kind of in control. And, but you're feeling, maybe that's where some of you are. Like you're serving God, you're hungry for God, you're praying, but, but if you're honest, when it comes to the Spirit, when it comes to relinquishing control, your feet are still kind of on the ground. But then the guy goes out even further. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. See, what happens is he went out a little bit further and now his feet aren't on the ground anymore. And so now he's caught up. Now he's no longer in control. The river's in control. And I always want to say that's where God wants to bring us. He wants to bring us to the place, not where we're we're in up to our ankle or we're in up to our knees, but we just say, God, I surrender to you. I give you control. Fill me. Empower me. Breathe on me with the pneuma of God. Breathe on me with the life of God. And I'm going, I am willing to go wherever the Spirit takes me. I'm not going to be in control. I'm not going to have my feet on the ground. I'm not going to be the one who determines everything. I'm going to go with what you're doing. And what I want to tell you is that where the Spirit will lead you is is kind of symbolically captured in Ezekiel 47 verse 9. Because this is where, when the guy was caught up in the river, this is where he was led to. It says, there will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. See, as we surrender to God, that's where he's going to take us. There will be like more fish than you know what to do with. There, it will be a place where dead things come to life because the salt water becomes fresh water. It will be a place where everything will live. And so I just want to encourage you, whatever it is that is kind of drying up your hunger, right? Whether it's that you were uninformed, whether it's you become apathetic, whether there's a little bit afraid, what I want to, what I want to encourage you to do is right now in your heart, start letting that hunger just kind of build up. Just let a hunger build up that you start saying, God, I'm not going to be satisfied with where I'm at. I don't want the water just up to my ankle. I don't want it up to my knee. I want to be completely submerged in your spirit. I want to be immersed in your spirit. I want to be baptized in your spirit. I want everything that you have for me. I want the more, I want the depths, I want the fullness of God in my life. And that's how it begins. It begins with a hunger. It begins with a dissatisfaction. And as I was saying in the beginning, to kind of bring this full circle, how is it that we can remain a church that's vibrant? a church that's spiritually alive, a church that has living water to give to people, a church that holds out the gospel in a way that really changes lives as, as more and more and more of us are hungry for everything that God has for us, that we say, God, I want it all. I want everything that you have for me. So let's stand right now And I just want to encourage you to to just in your heart, you don't have to say this out loud, but just in your heart, say, God, I want more of you. God, I want everything that you have for me. Lord, make me hungry, make me thirsty. I want the living water, the living water that brings joy, that brings life, that brings peace, that brings strength. And so, just something that I've that I found is you know the, our kind of our bodies are kind of important. And so, I would just encourage you to take a posture kind of like this, with your palms up, like you're receiving something. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's be filled with the Spirit of God. Be filled with more joy. The kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. The pneuma, let God breathe joy into you. Those of you who are home, who are watching at home right now, just, yeah, just get in on this. Ask God to fill you. And I believe that some of you, you came here this morning and you just, there's very little joy in your life. Circumstances are really hard and these hard circumstances are driving out joy. But I believe that God is going to right now for some of you, he's just breathing joy into you. And so your circumstances aren't changing. Nothing's different. But the pneuma, the breath of God is coming on you and is breathing joy into your life. So receive it. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with joy. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. More, Lord. More. Bless your presence here, God. You know, one of the things we believe here about receiving the Holy Spirit is we don't have to, like, work up for it. We don't have to get all, like, excited and run around. Sometimes that happens. That's awesome. But sometimes God just comes with a gentle whisper. And So I just get the sense right now that he's just, just blowing on many of you right now, breathing on many of you right now, giving you joy, filling you with joy. that's going to be your strength. That's your hope. And I just think that's something else that God is doing right now. He's breathing hope on you. And I just want maybe you've lost hope for your future. For whatever reason, you just not, you think about your future, there isn't a lot of hope. I want to tell you, your future is bright. Your future is bright. Your future is blessed because you are in Christ. You are in Christ. If God is for you, who can be against you? And so whatever circumstances, whatever's going on that's drying up your hope, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. Fix your eyes on hope. Our God is, he is a living hope. So let God fill you right now with this hope. More, Lord. More. More. I just see God's beginning just to move and work. Just bless what you're doing right now. In Jesus' name. Bless what you're doing. More, Lord, come. I think the Spirit of God is here. I think I think the Holy Spirit right now is here to heal. And so, if you're if you have any pain in your body, raise your hand. If you have any pain in your body right now, just raise your hand. Any pain? Just yeah. Go ahead, raise your hand because I believe, like, like you're reaching out, like you're like you're extending your hand to God. If you have any pain in your body, I believe the Holy Spirit's here and wants to heal. So, in the name of Jesus, I just speak to pain, and I command it to go right now in Jesus' name. I speak to. I think there's someone here. You have a burning pain in your right shoulder, and I believe that right now the Holy Spirit is removing that pain, removing that pain right now in your right shoulder. If that's you, raise your hand up even higher. I just believe right now the Holy Spirit is healing a right shoulder in this moment. I think there's someone else. I think you've had, you've had ringing in your ear. You've had tinnitus in your ear and it's been getting worse and it's been problematic and I believe that God is healing it right now. And I just say whatever's going on in your ear, that, that, uh, that your ear would be opened right now in Jesus' name. And that not only would you hear in the natural, but you'd hear in the spiritual as well. That you'd hear even more The voice of God, the voice of God saying, I love you, I'm for you, I'm with you. So come Holy Spirit. God, we bless your presence right now in Jesus' name. We bless your presence. More, Lord, pour out more healing. I guess I think there's someone here, you've been having like acid reflux. There's been something that's going on like when you swallow that's painful. That's not just like a sore throat, but it's something else. And I think God is healing that right now. So in Jesus' name, I just command that pain to go. That, that command that pain to go in the name of Jesus. Whatever it is that makes, that makes swallowing painful and difficult, in Jesus' name, go. More, Lord, I just speak to pain and I command the pain to go. Physical pain and also emotional pain, spiritual pain. Lord, that you would heal not only our bodies, but you would heal our hearts. We bless you, Lord. We bless Your presence here right now. Thank you, God. I think there's more that we could do, because the Lord is here. But uh, but what we're going to do? We have people from the prayer ministry team who are going to be over here. And especially, let me listen, those of you right now, let me just, anyone can get prayer, whatever you want prayer for, but some of you right now are really, God's doing something, like you're feeling God's presence and God's, you know, it might be manifesting in different ways. Some of you, your, your hands are hot. Others, you got some, uh, some of you are, uh, some of you have just felt like this weird, like breeze just kind of coming. It's not like the ventilation system or anything like that. It's like God is just literally like breathing on you. Uh, you're just feeling God's presence. Uh, just let somebody get some prayer. Let God, let God just, just stir that up and just increase it. And I just, you know what? I have to do this. I have to do this, especially since I was talking about what it means for us to be in Christ. If you have never made that decision to be in Christ, I, want to get, I have to give you an opportunity to make that decision right now. And so just pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I ask that you forgive all of my sins. I look to you and what you did on the cross. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, save me. I accept your free gift of salvation. Now give me your Holy Spirit and teach me how to follow you. Now, if you prayed that prayer, just keep your eyes closed. But if you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand. If you prayed that prayer today. All right, awesome. I'm gonna ask you to do one other thing. You can text FOLLOW to 201 584 7188. And if you do that, I'll reach out to you this week and just say, Hey, how can I pray for you? What's going on? Uh, you know, how can I help you kind of take that next step? God bless you guys. Uh, again, just remind you, like we've got some time until the Spanish service starts. So, so get some prayer. Let God just, just bless what it is he's doing in you right now. All right. God bless you guys. Have a great week and I'll see you soon.